uh, or you could just go along when you hear the bells ringing. And, you know, being in Cornwall here, you'll get an open arms welcome. Hi, you're listening to the Fun With Bells podcast, where I, Cathy Booth, interview novices and some of the most famous ringers in the world to reveal the mysteries of this herd, but often hidden, art. Today I'm interviewing Owen Borlase, a ringer in his 30s from Cornwall. He began ringing at the age of nine. Starting with a background in call change ringing, he also learnt method ringing and has composed lots of true call change peels based on his knowledge of both types of ringing. This culminated in him co-writing a book called Ringing Down Ear. Hi, Owen. Hi, Cathy. Hi. So, first of all, um, some people might not know and they might not have listened to the other podcasts. Could you explain the difference between call change ringing and method ringing? Well, that's a good first start question. Well, the basic difference between call change ringing and method ringing is one pair of bells are swapped by a caller or conductor actually calling a change. For an example, would be four to five, which means that the fourth bell slows up slightly and the fifth bell moves quicker. Whereas in method ringing, basically they learn an asymmetrical line or a pattern and each one of the bells moves at the same time. Who rings differently? Is it everyone in, you know, the call change ringing and there's the difference between that and method ringing? I know method ringing is quite prevalent in most of the UK, but call change ringing is is a bit of an art in Devon, I know, and it is in Cornwall as well, isn't it? Yes, that's right. I mean, it's something that um, is taught to our learners at an early stage in their ringing career. And we have a lot of emphasis on getting the striking right before they progress into method ringing. If, if they can strike the bell properly from the start, the method ringing progression is quite a lot easier for them. And obviously we ring the bells, as probably Ryan has already said, but a lot quicker than what the um, upcountry ringers do, for want of a better word. And that makes it slightly more difficult to place the bells sometimes but obviously if you can do that from the first instance as a learner you can progress to method ringing easier. So you see it in in Cornwall it's seen as a progression from call change ringing to method ringing? I wouldn't say that it is because a lot of people just stop at that point because they get to a point that they want to be able to ring longer call change peels but with a lot a lot of accuracy now i'm not saying that method ringing method ringers aren't accurate it's just that they want to get to that point and go no further and that's a choice of their you know that's a choice of their own really so call change ringing being an art in itself as opposed to just a progression to method ringing correct especially down here in the southwest. We started to talk about the history of why there's a difference. And, it, and you were saying that it's because Devon has sort of pushed it over the Tamar. Was that? Well, I, I would I would say so, really, because, oh, as I said before, we're so close. And, I mean, we, we try and achieve what they do for the Devon competitions. And, obviously, because of what I do with the call change appeals, which are longer in length, it's, it's a lot longer time, so it's a lot more concentration than the 15-minute peel they got for their competition. You know, so it, so it's it, it's all evolved from that, really. They were talking about these 15-minute peels, and your book is about 
re- c- composing longer peals. Correct. Is that, that is right? correct. Yes. What are call change 120s or 120s? Uh, good, a very good question. A call change 120 is basically all the possible changes you can have on five bells. Now, that's a factorial of five. So, for an example, is five times four times three times two times one. And that gives you all the possible rows or changes that you can have on five bells. Now, they are unrepeated. So that means literally what I said. If they, you do not repeat any row throughout the peel. And that's what method ringers do as well, isn't it? It is. Obviously, method ringers get to that quicker because they're changing handstroke and backstroke. In our ringing, we are ringing the same row for a lot longer, five or six times, but we do not go back to that row again. So it's still true. Okay. And how how long typically is a, a call change peel on five bells? Length of our call change peels can be anywhere between 15 to 20 minutes. Obviously, in Devon, they in their competition, they have rise, ring for amount of time and down, which is usually 15 minutes. Our ringing is we've usually got the bells up beforehand and we have 15 minutes or so, depends how long, depends how the intervals or changes have called. So obviously if you've got um, less intervals, they're going to be quicker. If you've got more intervals, they're going to be longer. So it could be 20 minutes. But we basically ring from up, ring the peel and finish. No rise and fall. We do that at the end when we finish. I see. So it's more like the method ringers that I see. They, they yes, do it is. It, yes, absolutely. They don't include the rise and fall as part no, of it. No, but obviously we pride ourselves in rise and fall as well as the Devon people do. You've got to get that bit in there. <laughs> You've got to have that. Okay. Oh, God. <laughs> and do you have strappers as well? Like they? Yes, we do. Obviously, if we go to a big ring of bells, obviously, you know, when the bell gets over, say, 20, 100 weight, depending on the, how the bell goes, we would have strappers to pull the back bells up. And that's quite a technique and a half. I mean, I can um, remember one piece of ringing that when we went into Tavistock in Devon, we had a go at pulling up the back eight, which is quite quite big for us Cornish ringers, really, 2,400 weight. We haven't got a lot of rings of bells in my area of that weight. So we had a couple on the seventh, couple on the tenor, and we managed to get them up and peel first class. So he was quite pleased with that. Very good. Now, method peels are recorded. Are call change peels recorded? They weren't because they were not recognised as being a an extent or a touch or a quarter peel, because there was there is obviously rules for quarter peels and peels. Now, with writing the book, I wrote a letter to the ringing world asking why our style of ringing can't be recorded in the ringing world for public to see. And the, basically the reply was, there's no reason why they shouldn't. So I pressed forward and said, well, let's record it, please. Now, some of the purists in the ringing scene see our ringing as different and that perhaps it shouldn't be recorded because there is no rules. I don't look at it like that. The people who ring it get such enjoyment about what they're doing and they get such an achievement to ring for so long and concentrate for so long. I I just thought it should be recorded. Definitely. And how long has it been recorded? Then? Well, really, since I wrote the book with John Purdy, really. That's where, that's what came out from the letter, really. Right. And that was 2010? Yes. yes. Right. Moving on to the book. 
Can you tell me about what the book's about? Well, I, could, I suppose I could tell you a little bit of history about the book to start with. We had an email from Michael Folds of the Whitting Society of Ringers, and he noticed that we had a different style down here and that he found a book called Core Change 120s for Six Bell Towers, written by John Purdy and Doug Elliott. And that book was written in the 70s, and that was the initial step of working out to get all the different different changes on five bells. So I contacted John Purdy, and he's a famous core change composer down here, and said, you know, this guy's emailed me, John. I know that Doug's unfortunately passed on. What do you reckon to write in a book? And he said, oh, it's too much for me. And I said, well, let's do it together. And that's how it come about, really. But with respect to the book, it's it's an insight into how our minds think as call change composers, as in looking at ways of getting the different extents out. Because obviously there's so many different ways of doing it. The book just explains the process on how we are thinking to get the 120 rows, but in different ways. It sounds quite mathematical, isn't it? It is. Now, I'm nothing like John Purdy. <laughs> He is phenomenal compared to me. I just use a basic formula or rules. He can just look at something and use his mathematical brain to just work out ways of doing it. He's a phenomenal chap. Tell me a bit about the background of how you got into composing call changes. It all came about from when I learned to ring, really. Unfortunately, one of the ringers died at St Dominic. And uh, my dad said to me, we need somebody to call here. And then um, a special service come up and dad said, oh, I've got this book here called Call Change 120s. Let's ring one. So we rung one. And he said, I wonder if there's a different way of doing that, Owen. And I said, what do you mean, dad? He said, well, you better look into it, didn't you, really? So then, and, and that's how it really came about. And then I started looking into it and formulated a spreadsheet with the help of Peter Wyatt so I could check for truth, like method ringers do with programs for checking peels and quarter peels to make sure that no rows are the same. That's really how it all come about. And then I found three different ways of doing it. And from that, talking to John, we found all these compositions. This is a quick break to thank our sponsors, the Association of Ringing Teachers, ART. You can find out more at bellringing.org where there are resources to support your ringing, to find out how to learn to ring or to learn to teach. Now back to the episode. And what relationship did that have to method ringing? Because I think one thing I understood was that your method ringing learning had had helped you with the call change ringing composition. Absolutely. I mean, progressing on to method ringing like I did, obviously, there's loads of methods out there, and you could utilize that in your call changing composing because obviously I've got an appreciation of the different lines, the different methods, the way the structure of the compositions and the lines work. That gives me more scope on what I can do in the call change world. Is there anything else that you wanted to say about your book? Now, how is it structured? Well, it basically goes on to a little bit of little bit of history about the societies, and then it goes into early steps of call change um, construction from what you learn first, and then it goes into how you can make longer sets of changes, and then how you check for truth. 
and then right to the end it goes on to about turning the tenor in and going on to higher numbers. Just going back over that, you said there was something about the history of the societies. Yes, there's a little section in the front about that, which basically talks about, it talks about the Devon Association, the Guild of Devonshire Ringers, but predominantly in Cornwall, we've got one group, the True Road Arsenal Guild of Ringers, which is for all ringers in Cornwall, and it encourages members to ring for services and special occasions and promotes good fellowship amongst ringers. And that's for everybody. It doesn't matter if you're a round ringer, rise and fall ringer, method ringer, call change ringer. Within East Cornwall, there is the East Cornwall Association, which is a competition ringing society. Now, that's a nucleus of small towers round down Plinth and Lansallos Way. I can't remember the date they were formed, but they do round ringing. Now, that's based on the Devon style, but there's no call changes. So they have rise. Ring rounds for a set of, for how long, however, that are set on the day, and fall. And it's all judged from the first strike to the last strike, exactly as it is in Devon. And they have a winter league, which runs on Friday nights in the winter. And do you take part in the competitions, Owen? We have done in the past in the winter league. I've rung in a couple of winter leagues, but not not as a general thing, because we are call change ringers, really. And um, the standard of their striking in the round ringing is phenomenal. And I mean, it, you have got to be seriously on your game to ring in that. Some of the Devon people find that really, really hard, because that is concentration at its utmost. Right. So competitions with ringing rounds. Yes, for a set number of times. For a set number of times, that sounds interesting. So there's competitions on. So now I understand that there's method competitions, there's call change competitions, and there's rounds competitions. Yes, and we have all of them in Cornwall. You have all of them. <laughs> right. Okay. So I'm going to move on to what do you enjoy about ringing? The first thing I would say is I feel very privileged to give something back to the community by ringing for services, weddings, funerals, and other special occasions. It seems to, for me, uh, it's just it's just everybody's different, but it, it just, because I'm from a village tower, I'm a village, born and bred boy from a village, it's just, everybody mentions to me, oh, it's lovely to hear the bells ringing for such and such wedding, it's lovely to hear the bells ringing for this, it's lovely to hear the bells ringing for somebody else's birthday, and I, that, that makes me feel very privileged, really, that I'm able to do that for somebody else. And also, it's a very social activity, isn't it? You get to meet um, all sorts of different people from all different walks of life. And obviously, we go down the pub afterwards and have a pint, don't we? And chat more about anything, really. So it, it's, it's, for me, that's what it's all about. Whereabouts have you rung? Do you just ring in Cornwall or do you visit other parts of the country? I have been all over the country and the world ringing. And I'm very, very privileged to have done that, actually. You know, I've been to Miami, New York, all over the UK. So Ireland, we've done all the towers in Ireland in a week. So it's been, yeah, I've um, been very lucky to ring at some of the towers that I have done. What's the most unusual tower that you've rung well, at? Well, I've got to say Windsor Castle. I've had the honour of ringing at Windsor Castle. And that is a phenomenal experience, really, because obviously it's <laughs> just the place. And obviously you've, you know... You have to sign in, your security check has to be done, you have to be escorted to the tower, you have to ring for this designated time, then you get escorted back by security, and then you come out. But, you know, 
they're not they're not an easy ring of bells, but it was just it's just fantastic to say that I've run there. In Cornwall, do you have young ringers? Do you have women? You have a mixture of all, really. I mean, it's worth mentioning now that down at Braddock and St Winnow, there has been a right revitalisation in ringing down there. The tower captain now has been pushing ringing into the schools, so we've got loads of young ringers. Recently, um, there was a call change real appeal rung by um, ringers with an average age of eight and eight years and three months. So, I mean, that's phenomenal, really. And then we get it all the way. We get male and female ringers all the way up to the 90s. One of the guys who's just unfortunately recently died last year, one of our ringers, he was 99. And he was still ringing up to his 98th birthday. So, yeah, I mean, we're very lucky, really. I mean, we have lots of bells. And there is lots of places which are struggling for ringers. But we help each other out. And we go round week by week and um, with respect to St Dominic we're very lucky we have you know 10 to 12 ringers of a mixed age you know going ranging from 20 up to 65 and we're just very very lucky really and they're all local people if somebody listened to our podcast and thought oh that sounds like an interesting hobby and if, and they lived in Cornwall what what, what should they do next to find out about well, the it? best thing they can do is go on the TDGR website which is the Truro Dawson Guild of Ringers website and they can make contact through that and you get a local tower out of that so you say where you live and somebody will be in contact uh, or you could just go along when you hear the bells ringing and you know being in Cornwall here you'll get an open arms welcome Oh, that's great. Okay. And if I was a ringer and I was having a holiday in Cornwall, sampling the lovely cream teas, which I hope is jam first in Cornwall. (laughs) Here we go. (laughs) Jam first, cream on top. (laughs) I get it the right way around for Cornwall, don't I? (laughs) (laughs) You do. Absolutely. Good. But if I was a ringer and I wanted to hear or have a go at ringing in Cornwall, where would I go? Where should I try to do that well to be honest up in the eastern district i'm the contact for that really but i mean any of the towers through the truro guild website will be able to put you on to having a go at call change ringing having a go at method ringing in cornwall the website's the thing to go to really does that tell people when your practice nights and things like that absolutely tells practice nights tower contacts sunday ringing it may be sunday evening ringing special practices they have so it's all on there and obviously, our PRO, Public Relations Officer, keeps the bellboard diary up to date for ringers. And if they look on the bellboard, they will find events that we have in Cornwall. Uh, so, apart from the towers that you regularly ring at, which is your favourite ring of bells and why? Cool. That's some question, Kathy, that is. Yes. Cool. Living down in Cornwall with fantastic bells like we've got, we're just very, very fortunate, really. But three come to mind throughout the country. Mm-hmm. I would say, personally, you know, I go, it's all personal, this aspect of ringing, really, because I go for the full bag, you know, and you want decent quality bells, you want easy going bells, you want audible in the ringing chamber, and you want audible outside and nice to listen to. So, I mean, I've got to say the fantastic Taylor 8 at St. Stephen's in Bramall for their weight of being just over 1,300 weight. They are phenomenal. They are fantastic, fantastic. It's a pleasure to go and ring there, and they just sound phenomenal, phenomenal. But when you're talking top class, I must say 
you've got to go to Wales and ring at Ebervale. They are they are phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal in every way. Easy to strike, easy to ring, easy to hear. They sound nice outside. They're just gorgeous, just just fantastic, fantastic. And then, obviously, the third and final tower I would say is obviously again in Wales would be Abergavenny. They are they are just top class, top class. So my last question is: Has anything remarkable happened to you that wouldn't have happened if you hadn't taken up bell ringing? Well, yes, I would say that I've seen parts of the country on outings that I've never ever seen. And I would never, ever probably go to because just being a ringer, you get to see so much out of your comfort zone, for want of a better word. I've I've walked down canals to get to towers. I've been on canal boat holidays ringing. We've had walking holidays. I've flown on a helicopter to get to a tower. So, I mean, it's just the whole experience of the thing. And you get to see behind the scenes of these places. You know, I've run at some cathedrals where we're walking through crypts to get up to the tower, walking through the, the roofs. It, it's just it's just fantastic in that, that way, you know. I just, I can't explain it really. It just, it's so different that you get to see a different side of the place. It's phenomenal. Where was it that you went to on the helicopter? Ah, Lundy. <laughs> we flew, flew across to Lundy to have a ring on the 10 and we spent a couple of days there. And there's, what, what else would you want? There's a ring of 10 and a pub. Thank you to my guest, Owen Bourlais, who has told us about the world of change ringing in Cornwall. Next, we have a short section where your questions are answered by an expert in the world of bell ringing. Today, Pip Penny, the driving force behind the Association of Ringing Teachers schemes for learning the ropes, provides the answers. The next question comes from Anne from Norfolk, and she asks, when you're faced with the uncertainty of ringing a bell you've never rung before and when you take hold, are there any tips for working out where your hands need to be on the tail end and how firm your initial pull-off should be? One thing you can do is see what level the sally is at, so that will give you an indication of the previous, the height of the previous ringer or the usual ringer. Also, how much rope is on the floor. And always, always remember when you pull off that if you pull off too with too much rope, i.e. too short a tail end and too long a rope, you might hit the stay. And it's always easier to pull off and let a bit of rope out on the first backstroke if you don't feel you're going up high enough. When people ring rounds, they usually leave a few rounds for the rounds to settle down. And that's so that people can get used to the bell they're on. So you're going to get an idea of the height of the person before you and that gives you an indication of where your hands need to be is that what you're saying yes and uh, yeah and how high up you can reach on the sally when you go to pull off so if the sally is very high and your hands are very low on it then it's likely that a tall person normally rings it or it's adjusted for a tall person and the tail end's likely to be the same the other thing you could do is ask anybody else who's rung it before or watch the previous ringers and see how long it is for them but it's always a bit of an uncertainty but it's not usually a problem unless you're very short or very tall and with more experience you get used to being able to accept that quite easily but when you're inexperienced I agree it's a bit a bit of a dodgy one isn't it you think oh dear I don't quite know but really where you reach up to grip onto Sally gives you a fairly good idea
Mike's written to us and says, I've seen some experienced ringers who use white powder on their hands to help their grip. What is the white powder? Does it actually help? And doesn't it make the sallies sticky? Hello, Mike. I think what you're probably referring to is resin, similar sort of resin to ballet dancers use on their tips of their shoes to stop them slipping. And it's for the same purpose. I don't actually use it. And I don't know if it makes the salad sticky, but I would imagine not. I have seen other people use rose water as well, which I believe does make the salad sticky. I think if you want to know more, you'd better ask, speak to the experienced ringers themselves and ask them the advantages of using resin. Thanks to Pip Penny for her answers to your questions. Please let us know your questions and send comments by emailing me at funwithbellspodcast at gmail.com. You can also send me an audio file of your question to be played on the show. More information, photographs and links can be found in our show notes at www.funwithbells.com. I'm Cathy Booth. This podcast was put together by a team. A special thanks go to Leslie Belcher, Nick Boyd, Anne Tansley-Thomas, John Gwynne, Sue Hall and the Society of Cambridge Youth with a recording of their ringing. If you are in Britain and are interested in learning to ring, then please go to the ringingteachers.org or, for handbell ringers, hrgb.org.uk. Both websites have links to help you get started. Follow me on Twitter and Facebook at Fun With Bells. Do let me know that you've listened to the show. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast on iTunes. This is one of the many podcast directories where you can listen and subscribe for free. And if you've enjoyed it, please consider posting about it on social media so that others can find it. Next on Fun With Bells. And because blind people ringing first peels doesn't happen that often, I did feel a little bit of pressure there to perform and be that first you know, get that first one. But at the end of the peel, and I'll never forget this, Simon Humphrey's cold. And this is all. And I stood up with both bells in my hand still and went, yes!